Greetings, this is The Pub, Australia Magazine's podcast about all things books and publishing. I'm Dean Karpowitz. I'm Molly Grassel. I'm Kai Richmond. I'm Daniel Morbach. Today on the show, we're going to speak about graphic novels and biography in graphic novels in particular. Daniel is back. Yay! Hey! Hello, Daniel. How's it going? It's going all right. Um, he has three picks. We last time we talked about um, cyberpunk. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was a good conversation. Yes, it was. And this time we're going to talk about biography with new um, technology involved. We're speaking via Skype this time, so we're going to try and reduce the yes. static in the background. Hashtag not spawn. Right, 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 right. Everyone uh, sounds so much clearer, meaning me. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. We need to hear your voice. Um, so we're going to start with Mouse, right? Start, yes. Yes, let's talk about Mouse. So it's, most people have at least heard of it, German spelling, Mouse, M-A-U-S, and uh, uh, about the Holocaust. And uh, uh, Art Spiegelman, who nobody had, really heard of before mm -hmm. uh the publication of it which published mostly throughout the 80s he published it as initially two novel uh two volumes um because he kind of had to do it that way but uh it's available in the fleet as author intended single hardcover uh. collection for those people who want to to read it all the way through yep so the the interesting thing is um it's just as much a story about trying to write the biography mm -hmm. as it is about the biography itself. Art is um, speaking with his father about, you know, how, what was the Holocaust like? How did you meet mom? How, you know, so you don't just get, I'm Art Spiegel, and then I'm going to tell my father's story. It's you see him going to his father's house. Mm -hmm. And sitting down with them to to have the conversation. So, the narrative tension is as much about him trying to reconcile some sort of relationship with his father, which he's never really had much of, as much as it's about navigating the you know one of the worst atrocities in mm -hmm. history. Yeah, yeah. Um, very famously, he depicts the Jews as mice and um, the Nazis as cats, which mm -hmm. kind of gets a, a usually gets a, like a weird, awkward chuckle out of people when they first hear that. Mm -hmm. um, it has an interesting effect that when I would say probably most of the story is just told with uh, either Art or his father, Vladek, or other Jews in the camp. So I'd say the vast majority of the story, you're just looking at the, the mice characters mm -hmm. quote unquote mm -hmm. um but then once is the actual cat show up you you go to that instant nightmarish tom and jerry or yeah. like they're just it's all just prey and predator and yeah. these guys are just gonna get eaten alive yeah it's one of the first graphic novels i think that you know sort of made it into academia right yes yeah um not so much in the the 80s but you did yeah. have um Scuttlebutt going around. I mean, I was too young to remember, but um, in the 80s about well, there's this guy and he picked freaking graphic novels for some reason to tell this story. But by the 90s, 
it had won numerous awards. Mm-hmm. I think it won the, I'm not going to sit and try and remember which ones it won, but, um, yeah, a short answer is you can find it in a lot of high, um, high schools and in a lot of college courses as, um, part of the curriculum. So one of the big questions we sort of posed before we, before the show and we were kind of brainstorming what we were going to do was why, why graphic novel, you know, or biography? Yeah. I think he just kind of understood the, 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 the effectiveness mm-hmm. of the medium and the, there's what I, one of my fascinations personally is, is the icon, right? If you have a, a little symbol, you know, you don't just look at the symbol, you look at all the things that are being carried along with it. Mm-hmm. So just having that very iconic relationship between, you know, you have a mouse head and a cat head and you immediately think, um, that prey and, and victimization and all that. Mm-hmm. But there's also something much more expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott McCloud has a fantastic book called Understanding Comics that gets into these ideas of if I draw, you know, uh, a smiley face, you, you imprint yourself on that smiley face mm-hmm. because it's the most simplistic sort of re- representation of a human form. So you don't see a man or a woman or a white person or a black person, you just see a person. And so you, you imprint yourself and you imprint everybody on that. It's like if the you take be- a snapshot. It's like the beauty ahead. of the emoji. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sorry, go ahead. And if you, but if I take a photograph of myself, all you're going to see is me. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. a white dude at a particular age of a particular background. With, a, fa- with a fantastic me. mustache. Yes, you can't see my mustache at home, but it's there. Yes. And and there's this this, uh, spectrum, you know, one end of the other between, you know, the the cartoonish, simple representation and the very, very realistic representation. Mm -hmm. And anywhere you go in between there is is moving from I can imprint myself or everybody or uh, if you put a little bow in the emoji's hair, right, suddenly yep. it becomes a girl. Yeah. Maybe you or I yeah. don't identify with it as much. Yeah. And I can't speak for Art Spiegelman's specific motivations or, or what he was trying to do, but I think that speaks volumes in a book like Mouse because they're all cartoony yeah. mice, yeah. right? So yeah. there's no even discernible gender in their face. It's all based on clothing. So. I think what ends up happening is is you just end up identifying with everybody much more easily mm-hmm. as opposed to like when you watch Schindler's List, which deals with the same subject. I'm just seeing like Liam Neeson, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not necessarily seeing myself. Yeah. And here I can see myself in Vladek. I can see myself in, in art, right? Mm-hmm. So I think whether or not it was intended that that effect is absolutely at play here. Well, and I think there's something so interesting and intense about how much you can simultaneously convey in an image. Mm -hmm. Like if you are reading something, it's one word at a time and you use those pieces to form a whole Mm -hmm. like picture in your head. But if you're looking at like a single frame or a page of a comic or a graphic novel, you can see expression, you can see color you can see lighting there's so many other elements that will convey even if you can't untangle why you feel a certain Mm -hmm. way there is definitely a mood given yeah yeah i i agree in fact there's um 
it, it's hard to talk about a visual medium over the radio. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you go to the YouTubes there that older kids are on these days, <laughs> uh, on the you interwebs. go to the YouTube, and uh, you t- I think it's uh, how to create a comic panel. And mm-hmm. if you cross-reference that with Mouse or Art Spiegelman, there's there's a great about five or six minute video that deconstructs a specific page. Mm from mouse yeah. that it's just one page and the guys like this is my favorite comic book page of all time and he breaks down about how um it, it shows art interviewing his father vladek mm-hmm. while he's on an exercise bicycle but you know it, it's cut into panels and it's not until you take a step back that you realize he's reconstructed in in each individual panel you see all right it's it's Vladek's head talking to art in the background and then it's it focuses on the pedals but once you take a step back and you look at it the panels have sort of recreated Vladek on a much larger scale mm-hmm. so it's sort of this forced perspective uh-huh. but it's not forced to use a pun right yeah so it it conveys this idea that Vladek is taking up the entire page because he's larger than life mm. and his son's eyes he's this thing that he can't quite reach and because of the perspective art is this tiny little thing in the background mm-hmm. That's uh, cool. so yeah. it, it's it's really great breakdown of exactly what it is you were talking about i wonder too how much is audience do you think i mean you can't really show a group of eighth graders schindler's list Right. I mean, right. Probably not. Is it? Do you think it's better packaged in this format for a younger audience, so they're able to? I don't know. I think it is because the other wonderful thing about the icon is is that uh, you you bring with it your own baggage, right? Yeah. So when when you're talking about a group of you know seventh and eighth graders. They can, you know, they've probably heard of Hitler or they've heard of the Holocaust, but they, they don't like, they probably don't have nightmares about it, right? Yeah. Because it's more like, all right, some really bad things happen, but you or I, who've probably read at least somewhat extensively or, or seen a lot of documentaries, can relate to the idea of, dear God. So, like, w- yeah. we have all these holes that yeah. we're filling in. It's, it's kind of hard for, for um, you know, just a kid to, like, see that actually happening yeah like it, it's a horrible yeah. atrocity but mm-hmm. for a child like they're like wow this actually happened yeah. like nine p- million people lost their li- like wow it's hard to see i mean yeah yeah softened by the well, image of a mouse yeah. yeah yeah there's the 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 introduction to the book is you know art remembers when he was a little kid like 10 or 11 and he uh he has a fight with his friends or something he comes home crying to his father and said, my friends were mean to me. And his father says this really kind of chilling line, uh, friends, you think friends. Well, if you stick them all, stick all of you alone in a room with no food for an entire week, then you'll find out what friends really mm, are. And yeah. to a kid, I think that's sort of like, oh, well, okay, I guess, you know. Will there be you know, snacks? Friends that's are, what they're thinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> to, to, uh, to an adult, you're like, Jesus, hell, this is just the introduction. <laughs> yeah. And I can yeah. I can sort of relate just going to the comic book store with my son, who's a Ninja Turtle fan, and it's like, hey, Dad, can I get this Ninja Turtle comic? And I'm like, no, this is not the Nickelodeon version of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> These are pretty That's from gory. the 80s. That's, yeah. that's much, much different. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So mouse, uh, highly recommended, right? Yes. Um, we- um, you you think you're going into a story about a Holocaust, and you realize like you you just you. I mean, it's a lot about the Holocaust. Don't get me wrong, uh-huh. I mean, but there's just so much about the relationship with. Vladic and, and art and you kind of realize he's doing this partly as research but he's also trying to connect with his father because uh-huh. by this time his his mother has committed suicide Ooh. so it it's also about the the survivors of the second generation survivors right, right? like mm-hmm. he's he's going through trying to well, how did my parents survive but it's through this framework of my mother survived the Holocaust, but she didn't survive coming home from it. Mm. And he's trying to, you know, reconcile and metabolize these experiences. And him and his parents, they don't have the best relationship. His parents didn't have the best relationship. They don't all get along. So he's he's struggling to file some find some sort of um, understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's as much about the uh, Holocaust and surviving the Holocaust and and surviving parents who survived mm, the holocaust yeah yeah um you have two others what yes so let's move on to which one you want to do uh facts from sarajevo okay, okay let's do that one let's talk about that is one. it's kind of interesting in in how it came to be it, it talks about the um uh sorry if it's we're hitting on depressing notes yeah. again but <laughs> yeah the, this is like, it's all good it's the um uh, the siege of Sarajevo by the um, Boscans in 1992-1993. In so a guy named uh, Irvin, uh, probably going to butcher his name here, Rustin Magic, mm-hmm. he collected and produced art. Mm-hmm. And he, they had gotten out of Sarajevo, him and his, his wife and his daughter and his son. And then the siege happened and they ended up trapped in the city just to give a little backstory mm-hmm. and the, the power was unreliable. But one thing that he had at least somewhat steady access to was a fax machine. Mm. So he would write these faxes out to his colleagues and his friends who by that time he had made many contacts uh, across Europe and one in America by the name of Joe Kubert. Mm-hmm. He was a, frankly, a legend in, in, in the field of American comics mm-hmm. uh, just by complete happenstance. So he predates Stan Lee in a lot of ways because yeah. he helped launch characters, uh, Sergeant Rock and, and, and on and on uh, in the 1940s. So just by happenstance, his, his comic book creator friend, who's a good friend of his, he he's getting a bunch of faxes. His friends are getting faxes. And it, at some point during this 18 month long endeavor, Joe Kubert like commits that I'm going to put this in comic form. Mm-hmm. So when you're reading it, it does read as a narrative, mm-hmm. but it's intersected with the actual faxes oh, that he yeah. was getting. Yeah. So it's it's this surreal sort of experience where you you read the facts of like, my dear friend. I want to say I love you because, uh, yeah, they're bombing the heck out of this building next door and we don't know if we're going to make it. Yeah. Uh, and then it cuts into uh, Kubert actually drawing and, and telling the story of uh, how that played out. Mm. So, again, sort of like uh, 
the subject matter is the creation of the biography itself. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not quite in the same way, but the the author Cooper does end up in the book a little bit. Uh huh. When when you're reading the narrative itself, it is about um, Irvin and and his family. Yeah. But just the fact that you you're very conscious of the fact of, of how this story came to be. It's called Facts from Sarajevo. Right. Right. So right. every time the facts comes up, you're like. This isn't just a story. It's not just an interpretation of a story. Like there's the actual facts. Yeah. And it's a little yeah. chilling. Yeah, and the the artwork is certain certainly more realistic in this one. Yeah, I was gonna yes. Say, I, no, I, I was going to say I was like when we were pulling up the pages and everything. This is more of a traditional. Yeah. I guess you'd say like Stanley esque kind of comic, straight from like 1940, 1960. Um, whereas like with Mouse, it's a lot more freeform. And I think it would be, you know, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, two narratives, um, pretty serious narratives, yeah. play out two completely different ways uh, in, in the illustrative um, department. Like, it's very interesting. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm looking at one particular page, and it looks like there's some sort of concentration camp, and it's pretty gruesome. You know, the blues and yellows? Yeah, yeah. The people inside almost look zombie-esque, I guess. Yeah, I think I know the page that you're looking at, but it's uh, I can't quite find it. And it's, uh, yeah, not to undermine the subject matter, but it, it does get pretty hefty. There's uh It's page five. Okay. Um, yeah, in, in Mouse, after you're going through all these terrible trials that he went through and you find out that the halfway mark is called, and here my troubles begin, and you're like, oh, <laughs> dear Lord. Yeah. It's like this is just the beginning after he's already been in a concentration camp and much the same sort of beat in facts from Sarajevo. The halfway mark chapter is uh, called the rape camp. Oh, Jesus. And I'm like, oh, God, it it only gets it only gets worse from here. That's just the it only gets worse from the halfway point. Yeah. So it is ultimately not like terribly depressing Uh, i'll say that the through line throughout the book is uh this particularly his father but this family trying to maintain hope and and trying to maintain a uh, if not a positive attitude but a a spirit of tomorrow will be different tomorrow will be different and the next day is worse but they're like but tomorrow is going to be different yeah and there's sort of it's different Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just not better Uh uh-huh Yes. Uh, it's sort of bleak optimism, but it, it's optimism. Mm-hmm. And it's it sort of tears you in half in that way, but not in a bad way. One of the things I was thinking about while you were talking was, you know, the, the medium itself. It's a sort of different way to convey information. And then, uh, you know, the, the faxes that produce this different way, you know, Less traditional, less traditional than the biography that you'd buy, sort of at Barnes and Noble in print form, only text. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's strange that it's coming from a fax machine, right? Because it is. I'll ha- my son won't yeah. know what that is. If I said, you know, when I was thirty, I got a fax, he'd be like, "What? What, <laughs> what are you talking about?" The nineties were tough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man. Um, and and so it's an ar- sort of uh, archaic form of um, you know transmission of information, and then it's being recast in this new, newer form of right information transmission. True. Yeah, 
I mean, it was published in the 90s, but I mean, how, as far as how we we consume it today, yeah. Like, I know what a fax is, but it's still like fax from Sarajevo. Like, yeah. what was your email down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, especially because you know, when whenever somebody invades some country, which is happening every other week anymore, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we get this live 24-hour footage, yeah. so it's like. Even the people in the building with that is being blown up, they're like, "Yeah, but my Directv still works, yeah. so we can get live updates. We get live tweets from people in the war zone and that sort of thing." And this just underscores that, yo, they had like a fax machine line, and yeah. the phone didn't even work. Yeah. Like it was the fax; you couldn't make calls. You can make intermittent calls, but you get the point. I think it really makes it that much more horrifying. Maybe yeah, yeah. in like a culture where we are used to 24 hour media, where there is no gap in coverage to not know yeah. at all yeah. what is happening for long stretches of time. Yeah. And then to receive what a single sheet of paper with a couple sentences on it. It's like isolation. Yeah. 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 There, there's got to be something like when you think of, I mean, not just Joe Cooper, he was, he was faxing many people across the world. But if we imagine ourselves, you know, as this guy, like he just happened to be a cartoonist. He just happened to be a comic creator. So you can imagine mm-hmm. like, our, I guess our analog would be an email, but once a week you get a couple lines from this dear friend of yours that saying, yeah, so uh, I had to drive down from the hotel to the airport. This is what he had to do is uh, that that was the uh, sniper's lane. Mm-hmm. So he had to, uh, strap on his car with a bunch of um, hillbilly armor, and they had lined up like for four miles, broken up cars to act as a sort of shield, so he would drive down and like try and hit it eighty miles an hour. Wow! Snipers are taking pot shots at him, so it's <sighs> just this sort of like, yeah. So this is what I did on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hardcore. There's this weird. Me- almost met a moment where he gets in the car because the doctor's like this is the only way through you want to get to the airport like this is what you got to do and he opens it up he's like what are the comic books for he's like you know what you pad up like three comic books on your arm and chest they could stop a small bullet or some (laughs) shrapnel right so he's like got all these comics like padded up into his jacket as this is this is body armor yeah uh, padded comic books i i I, for some reason i kept thinking as you were talking of the fil- the films of the 90s where there would be like some detective l- looking for uh you know the killer and there's the, that moment where the fax is coming through in slow motion and somebody always kind of walks past you know you're wondering are they going to get the fa- are they going to get the fax and figure out who the you know the person is or look, whatever look at the, look at the fax machine yeah. and say yeah, there's this shot of the fax machine. My God, what an era gone by. Yeah, and it'll never, you'll never have that suspenseful moment. Their phone ever. is on silent mode. Right. He's wearing yeah, AirPods. Yeah. But you can't Did really that phone do just that. vibrate? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You see it vibrating on the table. <laughs> Pick it up. <laughs> um, I guess that would be the equivalent, would be yeah. the phone's on silent, but it's lit up, and you're like, no. But then you get you don't get to see the, you know, the fax always showed the face of the the killer, you know, so everybody yeah. in, in the audience knew who the killer was, right? Or <sighs> something. Now it would just be a text. I feel old. Days gone by. Yeah. Um, Logic Comics, the last yes, one. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
I'm looking at the artwork here, and it is different as well. Um, tell us a little bit about this one. It uh, again, there's there's the through line of this was unintentional when I picked the books, but it's about um, trying to write the biography, not just the biography itself. So there is this fourth wall element. Uh-huh. And what's kind of interesting is um, it's a biography on the logician and mathematician Bertrand Russell Uh from the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. And somebody out there is going to know that name, Bertrand (laughs) Russell. Um, (laughs) Depends on what field of academia is your favorite, I guess. But it, it opens up with the author's in the book chatting about like, well, how do you make a, a book about this? He's like, well, I wanted to do a comic. He's like, well, that's an interesting choice. So every so often they pop up throughout the book to be like, well, what do we do now? Do we mention his brother? No, we have to take the brother out. He's just not going to fit, <laughs> which, which is almost kind of whimsical. Mm-hmm. But when you have a main character that is um, a student and then a professor in academia, um, particularly something that's probably not going to be the center of, of an action movie about logic and, and numbers and, and the fundamental basis of mathematics and all that. So it, they do a great job of making this subject matter more interesting than it sounds. Yeah. But every so often it'll be, is, is this veering a little bit too close into we're just waiting in the weeds and then it'll click back to modern day and be, so are we waiting too close in the weeds or yeah. how do we pick this story up? And then they have a conversation and it sort of picks up in a different way. Huh. But, but it really is kind of this ends up being a very sort of sweet and, and intimate book about Bertrand Russell and, and how he grew up. He, he met the, his girl and uh, of his dreams and all that. And, um, to give a little bit more substantive background to people who maybe don't know who he is, he, along with a couple others, but mostly contributed to Bertrand Russell, is, is um, he managed to find the fundamental principles of mathematics mm. and how mathematics logically works, mm. which we kind of take for granted today yeah. without realizing that for thousands of years of human history, we didn't really know if two plus two equals four, which yeah. sounds absolutely absurd. Yeah. But if we think of it more along the lines of if you have two times six divided by 18 with, with an imaginary number fraction, like if you, is it possible to make it like a, a big long equation where two could equal one? Yeah. Because if yeah. two equals one, then mathematics doesn't have a fundamental basis and mathematics is just basically people screwing around because mathematics isn't what we think it is. It's just a bunch of numbers on sheets of paper. Yeah. Honestly, that and is it was how Bertrand I assumed math worked. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't math good. <laughs> like when you look I don't into math good either. <laughs> when you look into like physics, it actually explains why two plus two equals four, yeah. but like no one goes into physics. Six on purpose. Like, <laughs> right. no one's like, Can you tell like we're English physics. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if he had proven, like, sorry guys, two plus two equals three, seven, nine, it equals whatever you want to equal, and I can prove it, like, we still would have an economy, right? The, the world would yeah. still keep yeah. churning. But there'd be a bunch of nerds out there that'd be super sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We we live in an era of we live in an era of alternate facts. But what yes. what 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 would a what would a universe with alternate math be like? I right? cannot wait Difficult. for the economical scandals. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I think when I've he actually the wrote. <laughs> right. Because right. numbers don't matter anymore. <laughs> you gave me point oh three cents less. What the heck? When uh, he wrote his big gigantic essay, if I, I might be getting the numbers wrong here, I think, but um, I think it took him about six hundred pages before oh. he finally <laughs> concluded that one plus one does equal two, <sighs> but we can't ever have a scenario where one plus one does not equal two. Yeah. So that that was sort of the tripping point is we know it does, but under an alternate like situation with a more complex algorithm or equation, could could it not? And it took him six hundred pages to just prove what every four year old knows. But hey, he got the basics in there, so we can we can all rest easy thanks to Bertrand Russell. What an interesting way to tell that story yeah. too. I wonder if just comics are perhaps more accessible to people who are less interested in math. And I, it's really interesting too, that you mentioned uh, how they keep going back and forth between the quote unquote story and the people telling the story, the real differences between how life actually works, mm. how your story as a person goes and how it doesn't necessarily make a compelling narrative. Yeah. Yes, uh, but I will say that even if you, I feel like even if you took those parts out, like I would still sit down and read it and go, hey, I, I like this story. And he's, because it's not just him fiddling with numbers, it's, it's what effect does that have on his life? Yeah. Like he meets this girl and he really likes her and then he tries to impress her with logical algorithms as it relates to them trying to get out of a, How grand, you do. a, a hedge mage. Right, right. Yeah out of a hedge mage and I'm like wow you suck at this <laughs> but it's super some relatable. girls like logic and math yeah this one was uh, turned out she did too so nice. it's good for him oh god it has a happy ending it does <laughs> one one plus one equals two in the end aww <laughs> I think I think that's kind of a good space to uh, end the show on I'm no <laughs> There it is. It's actually there. Okay. All right. The pub is produced at the University of Wisconsin Parkside from the studio at 101.5 FM. You can tune in Sundays at 2 now to catch new episodes. You can also find the pub on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or you can head over to our website at straylightmag.com for fiction, poetry, art, and, of course, podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for regular updates and new content. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things books and publishing.